Your source for community. Muskoka-made talk shows are on Muskoka Magazine. The Bay, 88.7. Hey, this is Dr. Shervin. Muskoka Magazine is brought to you by Dairy Lane Dental. Keeping Muskoka smiling for over 30 years. Please visit DairyLaneDental.com. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Hello, my name is Trisha Markle and welcome to Touching the Past, where we explore the rich heritage of Huntsville and Muskoka, the past and not too distant past. Today, my guest is someone who has married his love of heritage to his love of boat building, or perhaps the other way around. Chuck Albin was born and raised in Western Toronto, teaching school for 35 years in Etobicoke. Now he and his wife of 56 years, Sandy, who is also with us today, divide their time between their residence in Victoria Harbour and their cottage in Port Carling, and the three workshops Chuck needs for his hobby. Chuck has come by his modelling building skills honestly, starting around four when his medium was plasticine, and then moving up to model kits. Now he makes the most incredible wooden models of the ships of Muskoka and has been doing so for the last 25 years. The title of this episode, Cruise Memories, actually belongs to Chuck, as this is the name he uses when he participates in the Muskoka Arts and Crafts Show, the Cranberry Festival and other shows. His ship models are so well done, five were selected as gifts for speakers at the G8 Youth Conference. It's not just the making of these models that interests Chuck but also the history behind them. Chuck, thanks for coming in today. Well, if it did not, it's my pleasure to be here. Well, you drove up from Victoria Harbour <laughs> on one of the worst days of 2022, so I've got to appreciate it. It was beautiful it. when we started out, but it ended up here. It's not as nice. Anyway. Well, hopefully it'll be a lot better on the way back. Yes. <laughs> but, yeah. um, it did not, if it had not been for the ships, perhaps Muskoka would have taken longer to open up for tour, the tourist industry to, to develop. And I must admit, I'm more familiar with the ships of northern Muskoka than I am with some well, of the southern ones. We would compliment ourselves very nicely because that is where I lack the, uh, what I call the Huntsville ships. <clears throat> My expertise has been the uh, Muskoka ships, and I think that I have made just about every significant one that ever sailed on the uh, on the Muskoka lakes. Um, I, I'm not sure uh, to get started on this whole thing. Um, my mom and dad came up when I was one. We came up to Port Carling, and Port Carling is a real hub, as Huntsville is. Uh, it's a hub of the lakes. And you reminded me that how important the boats were to uh, people coming up to Muskoka. And just let me tell you how I think things got started. Anyway, I think that um, in, in days of old, I mean, we're talking 1860s, um, if a, a family would come up north, and they would find a nice spot. And uh, the husband would make a, a beautiful, um, fairly large cabin or whatever. And his wife uh, usually is a good cook. So over the years, this just attracted people to that spot. So every time you see a, a big um, 
uh, manner or uh, beautiful place, um, it's because of the cook. Uh, she she has uh, attracted all the relatives to the neighborhood, and then they realize, well, they get it better make a bigger place, and then so on. It just blossomed from that point. Well, it was it was a money maker that I mean, because if you tried to farm in Muskoka, you weren't going to get very rich with it, and you were no, a lot of starving no. farmers so, around, so, so added income. Yeah, you did mainly. Uh, um, well, hunting and, of course, uh, a lot of logging up here. This was very, very much important. Uh, Gravenhurst, Bala, Bracebridge, all these places were very important for this. And the boats, this is where the boats, well, just let me backtrack just a bit. My interest in the boats came about when I was four or thereabouts because <clears throat> my, my mom and dad came up here when I was one. So... I was really cognizant of what was going on around me when I was about four or five. And my grandmother and my aunts were looking after me during the summertime. And our place was on the Indian River in Port Carling. Okay. So that set the scene for me being in the water of the Indian River. My two, my aunt and grandmother were on the dock and they looked after me. But I was definitely interested in what was in the water. I was playing in there. And then all of a sudden, these huge boats, you know, as a four or five, six-year-old, these boats were just immense, and they came by every day. Uh, they're billows of smoke, and just they were just huge and such an interest for me. And I remember that the Cherokee, one of my favorite boats, when I saw that one coming, I really ran and got my pail because I knew that boat went through at such a speed that it draw, drew the water at least out, oh, maybe 20 feet. So I got at least 20 seconds of time to grab every snail, crayfish, <laughs> and everything else that happened to be down in the water there that didn't bite, of course. And, um, well, that's how I got interested in the boats because they were there and over the years um i got to realize how how very important that they were and once i retired i decided to was going to make models of these and that's another story too well that sounds a lot like my husband's story he yeah. he always loved the algonquin and he would oh, grab yeah. <laughs> when he living on brunel road he'd grab yeah. his grandfather and drag him down to actually to the graveyard there that's to sit on the bank to watch the watch Algonquin them. go by. And he yeah. still talks about the excitement of hearing that whistle. There's just something about the whistles of these boats. I mean, they're, they're just uh, an amazing thing. They, they send chills down my spine every time I hear them. Because coming into Port Carling, they would always, you know, blast away. And uh, they were very significant. Each one had their own uh, toot, if you will. Mm -hmm. So um, talk a little bit about the, you mentioned the Cherokee. Talk a little bit about the, the Cherokee. Okay, it's, the Cher it's a new I, boat I, to me. I, I hate to tell you, but this is my, my favorite boat. And uh, the ship is approximately 120 feet, 128 feet long. And it's probably a little wider than the, the, the Seguin, which is uh, built on the same dimensions. But it has the most beautiful, um, it's hard to describe, 
the windows, if you take a look at them, it's a typical Muskoka window where there's smaller panes and then there's a bigger pane on the bottom. And if you take, well, if you took a look and you could see all around the boat, the whole, the whole boat was made with these beautiful windows. Um, the other thing, um, it, it was, like I said, my favorite as a, as a kid because of the ability that it, it, uh, it provided an adventure for me. So, um, uh, this is one of the boats that, okay, uh, when you go back in history, the first boat that was ever on, on these lakes was the Wyoming. Uh, pardon me, the Winona one, the first Winona one. The Wyoming was later. But um, the boat was named after uh, Miss, uh, Commodore Cockburn had uh, his first daughter was in about 1866. And he named the boat after his, his daughter. And it's an Ojibwe word meaning firstborn daughter. So Winona was the first boat, and it was a side-wheeler, okay? And then it was the first one that actually cruised the Muskoka Lakes. And um, they actually took it on logs and brought it up into Lake Rosso, into the upper lakes. It was the only boat that was up there for quite a while because they rolled it on logs in the wintertime, took it up to the top. So, um, so that's the first boat. And then as... The other boats came along from that. There was a Nipissing was the next one, and it was quite big. And the Nipissing's hull was actually um, made into the Seguin. Oh, now that's interesting. Yeah, I... and so they can say that it goes back to 1886, which it really doesn't because it was made in really 1907, but it does does sound nice. Parts of. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, so I, I'm back to the, my grandfather's time would have been the um, major boat was the Medora. And it was the cruise, like it was a magnificent boat. It was beautiful, 142 feet long. And it, um, it was uh, the flagship. And around it was the Canosa. And the, I guess the um, Muskoka, the Oriole, and these are all boats that were being in my grandfather's time, somewhere around 1890 to, to 1900. So there'd be some pretty crowded waterways down with all the Well, you'd think that, but the boats. they were crowded mainly with log booms. Because, as I was saying, the farmers had supplemented their income by chopping the, the trees down, and then they would boom them together. And I was mentioning about the um, Muskoka. The Muskoka was a small boat, and it was built around 1890. But what it did, it was, it was so powerful, the engine in it, it was able to tow five booms of logs down to Gravenhurst, down to the, the paper mill, or the uh, sawmill down there. So these boats were they really were, working boats. They weren't... Uh, absolutely, and they, they did bring people around. But uh, uh, let me tell you, the story is, is, is more than that because the people would come from, the rich came from Pennsylvania, Ohio, New York, and they came up to... Uh, to Union Station, and they got the train up to Gravenhurst. And where do you go from there? Well, there's no roads. So you hop on the boats, and they got absolutely beautiful meals, and they had their life looked after them. 
That's very interesting. We're going to return in just a moment, but right now we're going to take a little break. Buy Muskoka for Muskoka, your collection of Muskoka-based talk shows. Muskoka Magazine, The Bay, 88.7. I'm Dr. Shervin from Dairy Lane Dental, and you're listening to Muskoka Magazine. This is Touching the Past with your host, Trisha Markle. Welcome back to Touching the Past. My guest today is Chuck Alban, and we've been talking about some of the boats of South Muskoka. And there's been a lot of names thrown out there that I did not recognize because I live in North Muskoka and, and realizing now mm-hmm. I need to spread uh, well, that, my it, sources it, a little more. I think I was just about to tell you that how important these boats were uh, to Muskoka. Uh, the rich and the infamous came up to Millionaire's Row on Lake Muskoka, and they had brought everything, including a cow with one of them. Um, uh, They brought their servants, they brought everything they could possibly need, and the people on board the boats just had an awful time getting, you know, getting them settled down in wherever they were wanting to go. But I was just uh, mentioning to you the older boats. Now, the, the ones in my history that I remember, you know, from 1940 on, I was born in 42. So my memory is in mid-40s, 50s, when the boats were just becoming, well, they had so many problems that, that they were falling apart. And uh, But I never knew that as a kid. I would help them go through the locks at, at Port Carling, but the, the 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 Port Carling lock was made for the Sagamo, which is the biggest boat, and it went from Gravenhurst up to Natural Park every day. Past me when I was in the river, looking at it, this big billow billow of uh, black smoke, but it was just magnificent how silently they went by, and it was beautiful. Anyway, um, the, these boats, um, in my memory, were what I call them the, the Magnificent Five. And the Sagamo, the last locks at Port Carling, was made for the Sagamo. 152 feet, and then you add another 6 foot for bumpage, and then a 29 foot width, and you add another 3 foot each side. So about, uh, you know, about 35 maximum uh, feet. Anyway. The boats used Port Curling as a hub. There was a boat uh, that went up. The Omic went up to Rosso and did its way back down through and coming by the beautiful Royal Muskoka Hotel, which is something else, till it burned down, like a lot of them did. But uh, then then the Cherokee went from, we're talking about the Cherokee, mm-hmm. went to uh, mainly to um, uh, Bala, and did the run through Bala. And then the Seguin did lots of things, but mainly through Bracebridge. And uh, let's see, what one am I missing? The old... No, the Wyoming comes later. <laughs> um, anyway, those... Islander. The Islander, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> the Islander... There was a was, reason you came, Santa. Yes, there you are. Thank you. <laughs> the The Islander was the, the part of the Magnificent Five that I was telling you about. and So there was no linkage, um, I mean, obviously, looking at job, for, between Bracebridge and, and Hunt. I mean, there was 
South oh, Muskoka and North you, Muskoka. They, they and that was hated themselves. They hated each, each other. other. Oh, oh, I think yes. there's still a little bit Cockburn of that. Cockburn and, and the, <laughs> the chap that ran the, uh, the the Huntsville boats, as I called them, the Algonquin, the Iroquois, the Mohawk Bell, and I'm sure I'm missing others. But these were very important for the Huntsville area. And as you say, uh, looking out, you, you know, uh, looking out at the Algonquin, the the, the 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 two groups just hated each other. And oh, there's always do, competition. Do you want me to tell you a story? The, the, the older, like the boats here, uh, he wanted to be so different from the Muskoka boats. Believe it or not, the early boats, they painted them a mustard color on the side. Oh, my. So accurately, you know, I did uh, 12 uh, Algonquins when I first got started. And uh, I phoned Richard Tatley up, who's the historian. And Richard said, come on, I'll show you. He, he made model of one uh, for one of his sets. And it was a mustard color. I couldn't get over like He hated the people that, <laughs> that much that he painted the mustard. Anyway, um, I... I, uh, the other boats that were here were very important too for the people up to Dorset and, and, and so on. And then we have, of course, the Big Wind Inn, and you've got the Big Wind uh, uh, boat too, which is now going again, which is wonderful. Yeah, we're yeah very pleased to yeah. to have that, and it'll be nice to get back to so-called normal where we can enjoy and, all these wonderful yeah. things that we have around here and Anne of the gravenhurst uh heritage center was uh, telling me that uh, within a couple of years they'll they'll have the same system working on the um wyoming uh, the um wanda which was the old Eaton yacht. Oh, I rem- yeah, yeah, I remember and, oh, that. Oh, were you on it? No, I haven't been on oh, it. But I, well, I, I was I lucky enough to be on it one time, and it would tip at least 10 degrees in, in both directions if there's a high wind. It was very top-heavy. <laughs> but they're going to put an electric engine into it. and it's it So itself. all these boats, mm-hmm. now I have, I always have the problem, a boat and a ship. These are steam, most of these so, are somebody steam Somebody said ships. that you put a boat on a ship. Yeah. Does that help you out? That sounds better. But most of these were mostly run with wood. For, oh, yeah. But now, obviously, that's Easily not attained. Yep. Later on, Pennsylvania coal, actually. If you look behind the the dock at the wharf at uh, Gravenhurst, you'll find a pile of uh, Pennsylvania coal that comes up with a big uh, dump truck. Well, you've given us, thrown a lot of names out there. So, obviously, I'm you just have. Full of names. <laughs> there's a lot of. History. History to draw oh, on when oh. you're making your model. So yes. let's flip over to talking about your model making. And that's just, I mean, I've seen some of them and they're incredible. They're very detailed. And oh, thank you. And your patience uh, must be. Oh, I fool a lot of people that way. Um, I, I, I find that a lot of love goes into the boats because of my history living on like in the summertime on the Indian River and my generally being with them and um, I eventually it got to be that uh, I lived above a store in uh, Mimico and three of my buddies were there and each one of us one made plasticine trains one made plasticine planes one made plaster scene boats. Guess who? <laughs> and uh, that was my starting point for making ships. 
And it just got into when I was raising my family that it, I, I made as many kits, you know, that Ravel, uh, the right. kit maker, did. I, I made just about everyone. And down our basement, we had ships all over the place. And then I realized that my aunt came over from England on the Queen Mary and she said, would you make me a model of the Queen Mary? Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I got into making Queen Mary, Queen Elizabeth, the originals, and then it just blossomed from that into when we went on board boats for our cruises as a family. And I made those too. So right now my boats are made from cedar hulls. My stands are made out of uh, pine or um, oak, and the upper works are made out of pine. So I've got the Canadian woods all in there together. It, uh, I sealed the wood with um, a zinger bin with a shellac base so that none of the uh, resins will leach out. It won't get any little blurry stuff on the outside. And the best Benjamin Moore paints, ultra white so that they look nice and they will last a lot longer than I will. Now, they, we're not talking a small boat here. We're, we're you're the model. My model. They're, they're good-sized. They're not uh, little things you're going to put and, on a and dresser. And the thing is that they're a proportional. So I tried to keep to a one-inch equals five feet scale so that um, uh, the sagamo would, of course, be the biggest one, and then it went down to the other ones, and then the smaller ones. So that it, if you put them on on a, a board, they would all be proportional to the way that you would have seen them out on the lake, as they were transferring, oh, people and goods and and uh, mail. Mail, it mail. was very important. Very. You must have Kept a little them. bit of engineering in your background to take uh, take a, a picture of a boat and the measurements of didn't, it and convert it into these three D models. I told you a little while ago I could fool a lot of people, <laughs> but when it came down to it, my first boats I made for friends, and then I went to those when I wanted to uh, do it more as a business. And uh, that was quite a transition because it was a big change from my first boats to the ones that I made now. Well, this has been very interesting. We've had two totally different discussions, ones on actual boats and ones on bo boat models. Now, I know that you have a website. Yes. It is Muskoka Steamship Models. Yes. And people just can... just up Seg Segwin and you'll find me. And people can go and actually see some yes, of these models. Yes. And I have to thank you once again, Chuck, for coming in today and giving of your time. Our, it was quite a day to be out driving, but we're glad you came pleasure. here. This has been Touching the Past on Hunters Bay Radio 88.7. Listen next time for another interesting part of our heritage.